Our sermon series this semester is called Fulfilled in Jesus, and we're going chapter by chapter through the book of Luke. But today, we're taking a break from our series to talk about another important topic. But to be prepared for next Sunday, you need to read chapter 4. If you already read it this week, look, you're ahead already. But you can read it again for next Sunday. So chapter 4 for next Sunday. So this morning, we're going to talk about giving for a few minutes, as well as updating you on our church finances. And each year around this time, we do this. We update you on what our finances look like so that we all know and are on the same page with what that is. This morning, I want to talk about giving for a few minutes before we jump into budget. And so when I'm talking about giving, I'm talking about all kinds of giving to all kinds of places, but then we're specifically going to talk about giving at DNC as part of the church here. So first of all, let's do a gut check. When I said we were going to talk about giving this morning, what was your first reaction? What was your first thought? Was it, oh, great? Was it, I'm offended that you would get in my personal business like that? Was it, I'm excited to learn about how to be a more generous giver? Be honest with yourself when you're thinking through this, because I think it tells us a lot about our attitude and our heart about giving. Scripture talks a lot about giving. Why do you think that is? Do you think God had this whole radical plan of salvation, like, I'm going to call my people out of Egypt. I'm going to perform countless miracles. I'm going to send my own son to earth and have him perform miracles and then have the church spread the message of the gospel to the whole earth. All I really need is their money to do this. Is that the way it goes? Is that what scripture says about it? God doesn't want your money. The purpose of giving is that God wants your heart. And God wants your heart and your money and your everything else to be invested in his kingdom. Jesus said, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. Jesus is not literally saying you need to give up every single thing that you have, every possession, every bit of money. That was not his point. He's talking about our hearts. He's talking about us surrendering everything to him because he gave everything to us. I'm going to read from Matthew 6, 19 through 21, and also verse 24. Did I say that right? No, Matthew 6. All week long, I've gone, that's not the right verse. And it's because I'm always in 26. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, There your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. 
Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. When I start thinking about this scripture that talks about treasure, my mind immediately goes to like pirate treasure and like little gold coins and stuff and stories about treasure hunting. And so one of the most fascinating stories that I've run across and that is way more commonly known about than it was when I first started talking about this is the treasure of Oak Island or the mystery of Oak Island. It's just off the coast of Nova Scotia and since 1795 people have been trying to find the treasure that lies at the bottom of a shaft there known as the money pit. And that name has a double meaning. But basically there are these wooden platforms every 10 feet that have teased excavators all the way down to at least 100 feet. And it's probably more than that by now because people are always digging and working. At 90 feet, one of the pit's most exciting mysteries was uncovered. It was a stone slab that had this cryptic writing on it and nobody knew what it said. But then in the 1860s, the puzzle drew the interest of a renowned professor of languages who claimed to be able to decode the text. And what it said was, 40 feet below, 2 million pounds are buried. And so over the last numerous years, treasure hunters have come searching for this legendary loot. And they've gone deeper and found slightly more evidence of something that lurks beneath the island there. So far, actually not true anymore. In 2023, they claimed to have found the treasure there, but there's a lot of disagreement about what they, if what they found was really treasure. Millions of dollars have been spent, thus, thus the double meaning of money pit, and six lives have been lost trying to find this treasure. Why? Well, Charles Barkhouse, an Oak Island historian and tour guide, says there's only one reason. It's the simple belief that there's something there. The reason people dig for that treasure and risk their lives and spend all their money is because they firmly believe there's something there. The belief that there's a treasure so my question is, do you believe that Jesus and his kingdom are a treasure? Do you believe enough to invest all of your money and your time searching for that treasure? And when you find it, living that treasure in the kingdom? It makes me think of our mission to make and mature disciples who love, serve, and share Jesus. It takes everything we have, everything we are, to do that. We give our heart to Jesus, and when we do, we give our heart to his kingdom. The Oak Island treasure hunters worked long, hard hours in nasty conditions, and they often had no idea how to do the work that they were trying to do. They just kept doing the next thing. That sounds familiar 
it sounds like the disciples. The disciples didn't know what to do next. The disciples worked in really difficult conditions. The disciples were accused of things that weren't true. They didn't have the money and the resources they need a lot of times, but they gave it all to God. They gave everything they had because God and the kingdom were their treasure, and that was the only treasure they needed. So the question I want us to ask ourselves this morning is, is God our treasure? You see, the answer to that question matters because in Luke 12, 34, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And if we believe God is our treasure, it changes everything. James tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from God. So we can't give God anything that he didn't give to us first. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 8, freely you have received, freely give. Let that sink in for a minute. What have you received? What have you received from Jesus? What have you received from the church? What have you received from community? Freely you have received those things, so freely give. Paul quotes Jesus as saying, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Do you believe that? In Exodus 35, 20, and 21, this is one of my favorite stories, and if you've been around very long, you've heard me read it before. It says, Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence, and everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work of the tent of meeting. So they're talking about the tabernacle, um, building the tabernacle right there. All the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord free will offerings for all the work the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. A free will offering means that they were not directed to bring a certain amount or a certain thing or that they had to. It was given to them as an opportunity. It wasn't demanded of them. And that's the same kind of offering that God asks us for now. He asks us for a free will offering. Are our hearts devoted to loving him and loving other people? If so, then we're going to bring our gifts and our offerings to him. But if money or pleasure or comfort are our treasures, then Paul has a warning for us. 1 Timothy 6.10 For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. He also says this to us in Philippians 4, 17 through 19. Not that I desire your gifts, but what I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. This is Paul talking to the Philippians. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. 
One of my favorite things I get to do as uh, one of the ministers here on staff is to use the money you guys have given for benevolence to bless other people. And recently I was able to do that with a college student. One of the focus staff got in touch with me and asked me if I would get with her and see what her needs were and see if there was any way that we could help. And this is what she said. Now I will say that we wound up giving her a certain amount of money and we wound up loaning her a certain amount of money. And in the whole grand scheme of things, of what we all have together, it wasn't huge, but it was huge to her. And this is what she said. I wanted to say thank you so, 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 so much for all your help. I wish that I could express more of how truly thankful I am for this. Thank you, thank you for being patient with me as we sat down to figure everything out. I never had someone help me figure out my budget before, and it was really helpful. Something I forgot to write on my budget was tithe. I used to tithe each month, but haven't been able to the last two months. But when you said that the only reason why you guys are able to give to help me is because other gave, others gave, it reminded me of why God has me planted here and the vision he has for his church. It reminded me of God's love and grace. In all honesty, I tend to hide the vulnerable parts of me and try to look like I can do it all, even when I can't. But this moment I will remember forever, for it is in our weakness where God is made strong. God had to remind me today of how I can't continue to live life trying to do things all on my own, but to need to remember the community he has placed me in. He has had to teach me to trust in him a lot lately, and although it has been a little difficult, God keeps reminding me of how he will supply everything I need. So thank you for showing me God's love in this. What I want you to hear there is that any time we are able as a church to help someone, I tell them, this is not a gift from me, because I'm the person sitting across from me. They want to associate that as if I'm personally giving it to them. But I tell them, we could not help you in this way if it was not for the generosity of the people in our church that give so that we have money to do that. So I just want to say thank you to you guys for being the kind of church that we can do this for someone, and it can make such a huge impact in their life. Paul wrote that Philippian scripture that she mentioned in her text that says, My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. He wrote that to the Philippians who were not wealthy people. They were poor people. They didn't have a lot, but they placed their trust in God and not in money. Money is not our treasure. Money was not their treasure. It was a tool to be used for the kingdom. And we can fully depend on God and surrender our hearts and everything we have to him, knowing that he will take care of us. So what is the goal of becoming a better giver? Is it just a cash grab by the church? Are we just trying to get all the money we can get from you so that Josh and I can live high 
and expensive lifestyles. <laughs> sure, it would be great to have more money to do some of the things that we feel like are valuable for our church to do. There is never a time we don't have something we could do more than what we're doing if we had the money to do it. But becoming a generous and cheerful giver has immense value for you personally. It's why Jesus said it's better to give than to receive. We want to be people who are fully dependent on God, who are surrendered to him in everything, finances, time, relationships, priorities, everything. Have you experienced the freedom that comes from giving him everything? That comes from letting go of those things that stress you out so much and that take so much of the fullness of the life that God planned for you away from you. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I hope that that frames for you in a more exciting, positive way what we're going to do this morning now, which is just look at what do our finances look like. If you don't do this as a person or as a couple or as a family, you're sunk. <laughs> like you have to look at your budget. You have to see where your money's going so that you can course correct if it's not right. And as a family in the church, we have to do the same thing. We have to look and see, are we being responsible stewards of the money God is giving us? And so that's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to do the first part of it, kind of the nuts and bolts part of it. And then Ryan's going to come up and challenge us and talk about some of our goals. Yay. I'm so excited. Thank you. They got it going. Okay, so this is our financial update for 2024. So first of all, we wanted to say thank you. And Josh is not here this morning because Jesse was born this week. Yes. So we're very excited about that. Um, but everything I'm going to say is coming from both he and I. I want you to know that. Um, we are super thankful for a lot of things about our community. But one of them is the way you guys have grown in consistency in giving. That has been a huge step for us to be able to do uh, more things with the money than we were able to before. We know what we can count on. Um, for giving your dollars and your time. We have people that are giving both of those things and it would be a real shame if we had people giving a lot of money but no time or if we had only people giving time and no money we would have a hard time doing what God has called us to do so thank you for giving both your money and your time thank you for the church plant fund we did our first offering for the church plant fund this last year in 2023 we set a goal of ten thousand dollars we planned on taking probably five years to get to that point, and you guys gave half of it this very first time. So you really showed your heart for spreading the word in the neighborhoods and cities around us, and we appreciate that so much, and thank you for that. And then also with Metro Auto Ministry, I know that a lot of you personally give to the Metro Auto Ministry, but then also our church also gives a chunk of money to Metro every year. 
And so thank you for the way that you've consistently supported that as well. And that's something that makes a huge difference in our community. So when we're talking about giving, what? <laughs> this is what we're talking about is basically what that slide was supposed to say. We're talking about coming together to invest God's resources in order to sustain and increase, making and maturing disciples who love, serve, and share Jesus, and being a place where hearts are turned to God and lives are changed. And that's our filter when we go about spending our money, is does it support that mission and vision in the Denton community? And anything that doesn't feed into our mission or vision is not something that we are going to devote resources to and not something that we're going to ask you to devote resources to. Next. Okay, so here's what our monthly budget looks like starting in January of 2024. Um, so you can see our salaries up here is a total of $6,583. You can see what I get, what Josh gets, and then what we pay Ronnie Worsham. For those of you who don't know Ronnie, Ronnie was one of the um, pastors at our Garland Church, and he started our family of churches 20-some-odd years ago, and he now is going to all of the churches. So he is a consultant. He cares about each one of our churches. He prays over our churches. He meets with Josh and I. Uh, we get a lot of bang for our buck out of that little tiny amount. And then our rent is $2,050. And you guys, as we grow in diversity as far as college students, single people, married people, kids that are babies, kids that are five, kids that are in middle school, it's going to take more room to be able to handle all of that. And so we had an increase when we moved from the GDAC to the Senior Center, and then we had an increase in January where they just were upping the, the rent. So that figure has gone up significantly in the last year. And then our leadership development programs and materials is about $900 a month, and that includes all the things to run things. So like leadership development, we pay for half of our cohorts. Um, to be able to do the cohort. Um, for events, our men's events, our women's events, our all-church events, our all-church retreat, all the kinds of things we do there. Insurance, um, basically it's more of a liability insurance because we don't own um, property, but we do have to carry insurance. Our communion supplies, coffee supplies, planning center, jam, and all the things that are associated with that. And any kind of focus events that we do, like we did at Halloween, all of those things come out of this $900. And then missions is $665, and that is um, for Kristen Harris, who is in uh, Western Washington. We support her a tiny little bit. And then for Metro Auto and for the benevolence that we do. And so a lot of our, our lot of our benevolence it's done for our church family, but it's also done for people in the community when we become aware of those situations. So, for instance, this year <coughs> we were able to um, help three families in our church pretty significantly that were needing help. And you guys enabled us to be able to do that. 
And then we also will have people from time to time come to us from the community that need help with groceries or gas or different things like that, and we do that as well. Okay, next slide. So what has changed? Since last January, like I said, rent has gone up $250 a month. It'll go up more uh, very soon because we're going to be splitting our kids into babies and into more toddler preschool, and so we're going to need more space for that. And then in December, our liability went up, insurance went up a whopping $1,200. Um, and I will say that that sounds like a really big number, but our personal home insurance went up almost that much in a year. So even though it's a lot, it could have been a whole lot worse, and maybe later, who knows, but for right now, that's the deal on that. That does not add up to the discrepancy I'm going to show you here, but those are just some of the reasons why there's a discrepancy. Um, so refreshers about our church and how we do things and what's important to us. We give a larger percentage towards staff salaries, and our staff spends a larger percentage of their time with people than they do anywhere else. We believe in relational ministry, and we want to prioritize ministers spending time with people. We pay lower salaries than the average church does, with none of our staff earning an average full-time salary. And that is something that is okay, but it makes it really hard to bring on new staff. And it makes it really hard to retain staff for the long term. So we want to be able to pay our staff a livable wage so that we can have access to some of the best uh, staff that we can have for you guys. And then we pay much less in building and program costs than the average church, and that's good and that's on purpose. Um, many of you will ask, are we ever going to build a church, own a church? And the answer to that question is probably not, because it would take a whole lot more money than what we have right now to do that, and we would rather invest our money in other ways. Now, does that mean that someone might not at some point give us a church like they did the Garland Church? I mean, God can do what he wants to. So some opportunity like that might come up, or does that mean that we're never going to partner with another church and share space with them? That would be awesome. So we'll see what God has in mind for that, but keeping uh, the cost of where we meet as low as we can is a priority so we can use money elsewhere. And then we don't currently have room to devote anything to savings. We have been very blessed by Focus, by Wiley Church, um, they, and by the Garland Church. They have given us money that we can uh, operate off of in savings. And I'll tell you that every year we've been in existence, we've never made money. So we've never taken in in giving enough money to cover our expenses. So we draw down on that. But then we have increase in giving and we go back up. And so it's been able to sustain us and has been a real gift to have that. Okay, so giving types, we have 45 steady recurring givers. So that just means that we know what they're giving every month. We know what to expect. And then we have 20 non-recurring gifts, um, which just means that someone um, gives on a Sunday morning kind of randomly. But it's interesting that we have 20 as the average, like all the time, we have 20 people. It's not the same person every time. 
Um, but in terms of the number of gifts, both of these have gone up in the last year, and the number of non-recurring has doubled. We've doubled that number, so that's been super encouraging. Okay, so here's the bottom line. Oh, no, it's not. Sorry, we're not to the bottom line yet. <laughs> so our average monthly giving is $8,077 in the general offering and $350 in the benevolence for a total of $8,427. Here's the bottom line. So the difference between our average giving and our budget is $1,676 a month. So that is something, okay, I need to say right now, Josh and I are not discouraged by that. This has been the case for quite a while, but God always provides it for us. But we want to do the best we can to make sure that we're using that money wisely. So even though, go back to that slide real quick. I am the pro presenter. So even though our giving has gone up since last January, which is awesome, our expenses also have too, and so that is exceeding what we're bringing in. I don't think that's a huge surprise to anyone because for most of us, that's been the case in our personal budgets as well. Even though we may be making more money, our expenses are going up, and so it becomes harder. Okay. Okay, so the buffer that I just mentioned, we have $20,000 in an emergency fund, and if we don't do anything to correct the shortfall, then we'll deplete that in about 12 months. Okay, so at this point, I'm going to turn it over to Ryan, and he's going to talk about goals. We're going to try and switch off, but I'm not. All right. Yeah, we're good. Um, okay, I'm Ryan. I'm one of the leaders here at Denton North. Um, welcome to my PowerPoint show. <laughs> I decided, you know, instead of doing a fun one at home, I was going to do like a less fun one here at church <laughs> and skip the fun part. No, just kidding. Um, so yeah, Leslie covered some good stuff about the heart of giving and the current financial state of our church and I'm going to cover the goals that we have for giving or in other words I'm going to be the one asking us to give more money um, yeah but first I want to talk about a few things which is like what is our role in meeting these goals um, and why do I think we should be investing specifically in the local church and what that means for us here is specifically investing in Denton North Church. Um, for some of you, this probably will be things you've heard before, and that's okay. Um, I think it's, a, it's good, though, to think about these things again. It can be a reminder to think critically about how we give, why we give, what we're giving to. Um, I think it's really easy sometimes to like have our giving on like auto, and it just comes out every month. But then also that may mean that like mentally our giving is on auto 
and we're not thinking because we just set it up at one point in time and it just keeps on going. And, you know, maybe we haven't considered again why we're giving and really thought through that um, on a regular basis. So I would encourage you, you know, wherever you're at with this to think critically about, you know, why we're giving and your role in these different goals that we have. Um, I also wanted to say that if you have any, like, questions about any of these goals or about, like, the current financial state of our church, Josh and Leslie are super open to talking about this stuff. So if something comes up and you're like, yeah, I don't know, like, if I agree with that or if I'm, like, in line with where our church is going with this, you should go talk to them. Like, don't just sit and, like, keep this internal disagreement with our church and what we're doing. Go talk to Josh and Leslie and figure out, like, where they're coming from and where you're coming from and try to, you know, find, find a middle ground there. But don't just, like, get turned off by some of this if you don't agree with it and just stay in that place. They're super open to talking about all this stuff with us, which is great. Okay, so first, what is our role when looking at these goals and thinking about meeting these goals? So when I say our, I mean we, and when I mean we, I mean you all and me, as in we are the people here who are not paid by the church. Um, instead, we have income in other places, and that puts us, um, I think, in a position of responsibility to look at these goals and help meet them. Um, I'm actually here because I volunteered, I don't know why, volunteered to like be, be a part of like giving this presentation. Um, I, I felt like it was really important for the paid staff and non-paid staff to be leading our church in finances. Um, I think we all probably know that Josh and Leslie, like they do a lot to lead us and disciple us, but they can't possibly cover all the ground with each one of us. And I don't think that should be the case with finances as well. Um, we need leadership and ownership from Josh and Leslie and also from the folks who are actually giving the money to make these things happen. So, um, let's see. Yeah, Josh and Leslie, they set these goals. They talk to other people, you know, to make sure they're setting good, ex like, good wise goals. But we the people who have jobs and make money, we actually decide um, if we're gonna meet these goals. Josh and Leslie, they don't set the goals and then go find money that they then funnel through the church to meet the goals. Like, I think that would make our church like a money laundering operation if somehow <laughs> they were doing that, but that's, that's not the case. Um, it's really the rest of us who individually and collectively, we decide if we're going to meet these goals. We decide. If Josh and Leslie will get paid, we decide if we can make rent here. We decide if there's enough money to meet these benevolence needs. They will help distribute that money, but we are the ones who actually decide if that's going to happen. And um, I think this like language of deciding is really helpful versus just giving, because I think it call, calls us to have like a much more active role in this. If I'm just like giving money without really thinking about what's happening, maybe I don't know where it's going to, and maybe I don't really care where it's going to, but if I see what our church is doing and I decide, yes, I'm on board with that and I'm going to invest in that, yeah. I'm investing my money and my heart is in it, and I'm really committed to see that those things are happening. So as we talk about these goals, um, 
some questions that I think are helpful for us to think through are, first of all, why give to the church at all? What is your reason in general for giving to the church or giving to a ministry? And then, as we go through these goals, um, do each of them align with the why that's behind your giving? Don't just hear us say these goals and think, oh yeah, all right, we have goals, we're going to give to it. Now, I would, I would like you to, to sit with them and think about, do they really resonate with the reason why you want to give to the church and why you want to give to what God is doing here in DFW and really all around the world? Um, yeah, and then lastly, are these goals important enough for you to decide to invest in them? Um, is the reason behind the goals something that you can really get behind and invest in? So I want to talk um, just briefly about why investing in the local church, why I think that's important. So in Matthew 22, um, Jesus gives us the greatest commandments, and I think these are really good baselines for us to start with when considering these things. So um, one of the experts of the law asked Jesus, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus re replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So I think this is like the, uh, it's like the litmus test we should use when considering our church in general and then what our church is trying to do. Are we you know, living up to these things? Are we trying to achieve these? And if we are, then I feel like it makes them a worthy, good thing to invest in. So our church's mission and vision um, to make and mature disciples who love and serve Jesus, then being a place where hearts are turned to God and lives are changed. When I read these and think about these and have seen these things lived out, in the lives of the people of this community and across our family of churches, I very much see them um, resonating with what Jesus calls us to, to love God with everything that we have and to love others as we love ourselves. Um, I think our church, all of our churches, are places where we learn how to do these things and we practice them as well. So on Sunday mornings with our sermons and then with the time that Josh and Leslie and other leaders may meet with you, you know, we're being like discipled and taught how to do these things. But then church is also a place where we live in community with other people. And oftentimes we're put in situations where, well, we have to practice these things. We, we don't have a choice, which is great. We're learning how to love each other well. Sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's hard. This is a place where we get to learn and practice these things and hopefully that then goes out and affects the rest of our lives. Yeah. Another big part of this is investing, obviously, in the, the staff time, investing in Josh and Leslie so that they can spend time meeting with us. Almost all of their time that we pay for is so that they can meet with people one-on-one -on -one and teach us and lead us in how to do these things. Mm -hmm. I think it's also worth considering that by giving to our church, we have an opportunity to be in obedience with what Jesus is commanding here. Even if we're not doing it directly, 
doing the, the uh, teaching and loving directly, we are empowering other people to do that. And I think, yeah, it's an opportunity to obey um, by investing in that. So now we're going to look at these goals. Um, yeah, I'd just like you to, to consider like your role in investing in this and the why of what we're doing and the why of why you want to give as we look at each of these. So first goal, correcting the shortfall. So we need to increase our overall monthly giving by $1,676 to correct the shortfall that Leslie talked about. So, you know, why should we do this? Should we even do this? Um, hopefully this is like obvious, right? This is the cost of doing business. Um, the rent, the salaries, the benevolence, the events, all the things that we want to do, we can't fund them. And it's not urgent. We have 12 months in theory to do this, assuming nothing changes. But this is where we can look at what our church does right now and consider how important that is, um, the value it provides to us, to the community, how we serve God through our church. And yeah, ask ourselves, are we willing to meet the shortfall so that we can continue to do church the way that we do it now? Um, Josh and Leslie didn't tell me to say this, but if we didn't meet this, we would find another way to do church. We are going to continue meeting as a church and doing what, we're doing what we need to do to serve God and serve others, whether we meet this or not. But we would love to keep doing things the way that we're doing them now, and meeting this is going to enable us to do that. So if we go to the next slide, um, the way we've set this up is we'll have one slide with the goal and like the overall amount we need to raise to do that. Then this is sort of a breakdown to make it a little easier to understand what it will take to get there. So to correct the shortfall, we could either have 28 new donors give $60 a month. I think another way we could say this is 28 current donors increase by $60 a month or if every current recurring giver increased by 22%. So either of those two things would meet the shortfall or some mixture of the two. So hopefully those numbers like make this a little more tangible instead of this big like $1,600 a month, how do I fit into this number? Um, these I think are a little more realistic and easy to understand how they fit into your individual budget. Okay, let's go to the next goal. Yes, so pay staff closer to full-time salaries. So um, last year when we talked about this, the staff salaries were $2,600 a month roughly. And we have raised that up to $3,000 a month, which is great. Um, I think it's wonderful we've been able to do that. On the other hand, um, if you're not in college, if you have a full-time salary job, if you're looking at like starting a family or, you know, looking further down the road into life, um, it probably is obvious to you that $3,000 a month is not like the most sustainable salary. Yeah. Um, we know that Josh's family is not, it's getting bigger, right? It's not getting smaller, it's getting bigger. <laughs> um, and Leslie, well, Leslie's not getting any younger. And at some point, you know, <laughs> We are going to have to replace Leslie, and I don't mean that in a bad way. 
I mean, let, think about like the children in our church right now, when they are in college, Leslie may not be the minister anymore, right? We're going to need new ministers to be able to come in in the future and help continue to lead this church. And as we all know, inflation is a real thing. Um, so at the very least, we need to, you know, we need to keep our staff salaries up with inflation. But what we really want is the ability for our ministers to stay for a long period of time and really invest in the people in our church. If our ministers have to leave every few years because they cannot, you know, maintain their family, um, modest lifestyle on the salary, um, that's going to make it really tough for them to build relationships with us and really invest deeply in us. So this goal will get us from paying our ministers $3,000 a month to $3,500 a month. So we're moving in a direction where um, we're getting closer to a living sustainable wage as, yeah, as we want people to stick around for longer. So in order to meet this goal, this would mean 20 new donors giving $50 a month or all of our current recurring donors increasing by 13%. Um, and this is like, each of these goals kind of like stack on top of each other or they're separate. So this is not like if we do this, we get goal one and two together. Um, this is separate from goal one. I don't know if, yeah, we can do it. So think about these as like separate things. All right, let's go to the next one. So adding more staff, getting really ambitious now. Um, so our church has so many volunteer leaders and workers that do stuff for free, just investing their time. And we are like so grateful for that. There's literally no way our church could exist with just, just Josh and Leslie's time. It would be impossible. <laughs> it would just be like a small group every Sunday or something, and that would be it. There would be nothing else that we're doing. Um, the reality is that even with all the people that we have helping part-time and just investing their time, they can't meet with everyone in our church and really give people the kind of time and care and discipleship that we would like to do. So we want to be able to add more staff in the future. And I think this one is looking like a little further down the road. So after we get our current staff salaries up to $3,500 a month, then we'd like to raise another $3,500 a month so that we can add either one full-time person or maybe two part-time people. We don't really know yet what that would look like or who that's going to be. But basically this will enable more of us who are not full-time staff to get one-on-one -on -one time from the staff members to be discipled by them or led by them. And that just overall is going to be really great for our church, um, really helpful that more of us can receive that kind of attention and be loved by them and be led by them to learn how to love God and love others better. So for this one, um, 35 new donors at $100 a month or current recurring donors increasing by 46%. So this is definitely a, a further in the future goal, but something that we really should be thinking and praying about how, you know, how can we get, get here? All right, so the last goal, plant another church. This one is very exciting, I think. Um, I remember being a student at UTD Focus back when there was just the Garland and Wiley Church. And I remember Ronnie talking about the idea of planting churches. 
And what I didn't know at the time was that Garland and Wiley were saving money so that a church could be planted. And then I got to be a part of coming here and planning this church because they had set aside that money so that we could do this. So we are here because other churches set goals like this to be able to plant churches. Um, And this is really, you know, a part of us working in the great commission that Jesus gives us to love God and love others and then teach other people how to do that by sharing the good news of the gospel and sharing that everywhere we go. So we at Denton get to do that here in Denton. But we really want to see that done in as many places as we can across the DFW Metroplex. And we can't do that just from our church or just from the churches we have right now, right? We can only reach the cities that we already um, have churches planted in. So this is part of us investing in the vision of planting more churches across the Metroplex to see Jesus' love shared with more and more people. So this one... We will do a special contribution for at some point in the future. Um, I don't know exactly when, but we will announce it ahead of time and give y'all a heads up. That way, when it happens, you'll have had time to think about it and pray about it and hopefully set aside some money for it. But even now, this is something that you can be preparing for and setting aside funds for so that when it happens, it's not a surprise and you're ready for it. So I think those are all of our goals, and I think Kurt is going to come up and pray for us. But yeah, I just wanted to ask you all again to consider all these goals and think about why you're giving to our church and really think deeply about um, how you feel about these goals and yeah, how you might invest in them. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.